Managing Director of Equity Research at BMO Capital Markets. Simeon, good morning. What a move in Nike. You've been bullish on the stock and you pushed up the price target this morning. What in here was most impressive? Yeah, Oliver, good to see you. Uh, what in here wasn't most impressive, I guess. Listen, you've got a company here which we can go piece by piece and almost every part of this company is the largest in its respective industry. And what you had was despite widespread fears that China geopolitical issues were going to weigh on the stock, the rest of the business just barreled forward. And so to see the order of magnitude, to see the revenue blast forward, approaching and expecting to beat $50 billion next year is really meaningful, especially considering gross margins are healthy. If you told me they were promoting to do it, it'd be a different story, but that's not the case. So we had a broad-based beat, revenues and margins, and the reality is that can take this business drastically above when it's already at the top of the chart. So this breakout today is uh, just really extraordinary uh, to see, and uh, your price circa $175, uh, $174 uh, now after this report. And uh, as you mentioned, it's just, you know, it's a possible very difficult to really kind of find any any issue with it. I mean, from a competitive standpoint, there's uh, a lot of competition, especially within shoes and even within the uh, athleisure space as well, too, where uh, Nike for a little bit there was kind of playing a little catch up with Lulu. So how does that competitive dynamic work out? Is there anyone in any department that is at least nipping at their heels? Yeah, so it's a great point. So, so I wouldn't say that there's nothing to take issue with, and that's the beauty of the story. Nike is leading a very competitive industry, to your point. Listen, I think Jordan Brand, right? We looked at Jordan Brand finishing the year almost $5 billion. Jordan Brand in and of itself is one of the largest brands in the history of time. So you absolutely have a lot of players. You absolutely have a lot of competition, which makes their success all the more impressive. What I wonder, right, as, as you and I have talked about in the past, you look at Lulu and you look at Nike women's, Nike women's far surpasses Lululemon revenue in totality. So I think what is so interesting, and, and this is a hypothesis that I think is probably going to evolve, is it used to be there was a very contained pie of competition. It was either Nike or Under Armour or Lulu or Adi, et cetera. What I wonder now is this post-pandemic reality, are they now competing against the broader apparel landscape? So is it now no longer just the, the athletic players going head to head, but it's actually this, the license to wear comfortable attire is just that much more prevalent. And it's hard to imagine that's going back in the box. And I know we've joked around, there's, a, there's this view that this is gonna be the roaring 20s and we're gonna be wearing top hats and tuxedos, but I, I don't subscribe to that. So I think that that's where we're gonna go. I think that you and I could nitpick a ton of pieces. And again, the China business will have to turn around as their most profitable business. And that needs to kick back in. But beyond that, watching how they work through these challenges, I think is what has brought Nike to where it is right now. And I think its budget, its ability to outspend is basically what suggests they'll have that long-term consistency. So, I mean, I think the Roaring Twenties is about the economy and the good spirits. I don't know about the top hats and the monocles, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Oliver, I, I've seen your Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> no more, I'm off. I'm off now. I had to get off the social media. <laughs> Simeon, so the point, though, you're making is, look, these uh, uh, cultural kind of style shifts and now this kind of sartorial preference could be pretty sticky. And, and for some people, they may not be going back in. I know people personally who are going back in. I feel like every article I read now about the going back to the office means everyone's going to need a lace up in their sneakers in the morning because you're going to be running to get the window seat. So like the notion of sneakers is going to become a demand as opposed to a comfort now element. I just think that the reality here is 
when the consumer is given comfort, it's a very hard thing to take away. And so the notion of wearing stuff on court and then wearing stuff for comfort out of the off field, mm. but then putting on a workplace attire, I think that we're going to see that that's a little bit antiquated. And I think we're going to see on whether we see giant swooshes in the office or not, I don't know. Yeah. But whether you can see polo shirts and sweatshirts and comfortable, right? I think that will stick. Hey, Simeon, one more really specific one before I let you go. Gross margin of almost 46% versus the estimate that was for around 44. How high can that number go? Yeah, so they're talking about high 40s. I think there's this interesting piece to keep in mind as they shift direct. So as you sell anything on Nike.com as opposed to selling it in specialty retail for someone else, you're going to get a mathematical shift. So there's going to be a lift that's going to happen as they continue to walk away from their undifferentiated wholesale. But on top of that, it's still also healthy organically. So you're still selling phenomenally full price. And by the way, Oliver, you and I have talked about this across the board. Everyone across retail right now is getting a gross margin lift. If you're not, if you have to promote right now, Mm. you're doing something really wrong. 